from the first whistle blow till the game is on the line. This is Stoppage Time. It's your boy, Greg, back for another week. Tyler, how you doing? I'm good, man. I, I know I messaged you the other night. We had about uh, eight to ten inches of snow uh, a couple days ago. Don't get it. I do not get it. <laughs> we'll never understand. But guys, we're back here with another exciting week of Champions League news. We're excited the Champions League is back. I hope that you guys are too. And what a week it was. We're going to hop into that in a few moments. But let me tell you something. There's nothing more beautiful than the game of football at this time of year. It's fantastic. We've seen a lot of great matchups so far. And we're going to see a lot of great matchups to come. This is just a round of 16. After this, we got the final eight. And then the semis going into the finals is going to be action-packed week after week. I hope you guys are ready for that. But let's go into our recap of this past week's play, starting off with the Tuesday matchups. Tuesday, we had Tyler. Who did we have playing on Tuesday? First team. Atletico versus Chelsea. Ending in a one to well zero to one victory for Chelsea away. Uh, honestly, this was probably the game I would have liked to have watched this week, even though it did. Uh, there, there weren't a lot of uh, opportunities on the scoreboard, but I think it was probably the closer game out of anything that we we really saw uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, capped off by a beautiful beautiful bicycle kick from Giroud I guess controversial but it's definitely not going to be the most controversial thing that we're going to uh, talk about today Uh, apparently they thought he was offside I didn't see it and neither did the ref (laughs) goal was allowed Chelsea goes home with a game in hand Giroud showing fantastic form in this game Uh, beautiful overhead kick which gave Chelsea the victory uh had to come down to VAR. Obviously, you know, th- there was a lot of speculation as to whether it was offside or not, but it did come off of the defender and it was intentionally passed back, which Giroud was able to capitalize on with an overhead kick. I am amazed with the Frenchman seeing how he's able to do these things in these later years of, of his career. He's doing great things for Chelsea right now. I think that that's, this was one of the games, that, like what you said, needed to watch. And it's, it's kind of amazing that, you know, at the, the, the transfer deadline that Chelsea was considering letting him go. He, he was a name that uh, was on the block, as they say, on the trading block. Not that this is necessarily trades, but, you know, some similar type thing. He, he was on, he was up for grabs and nobody grabbed him or Chelsea realized that it probably would be a good thing to keep him and just, took him off, which is more likely a uh, thing that happened, but it, it's proving, you know, time and time again, you know, that, that uh, Thomas Tuchel does know what he's doing. He hasn't lost since he arrived at Chelsea. I think it's seven wins, two ties. Um, and uh, maybe it's eight wins now. I, I don't remember, but fact of the matter is he hasn't lost since he got there mm-hmm. and uh, the club has started to look a lot better. So it's just to, to wait and see what they're able to do. Obviously, going into the next leg, um, Chelsea comes out with the advantage as they were away from home, which counts as double. It's just for them to go 
back home to the bridge and see what they could do there, if they could hold off Atletico or not. I think last week I was having that discussion that uh, Chelsea has been one of the teams to beat Atletico in their house um, and now has done it, I think, three times. I don't have that stat up in front of me, but um, it's an addition to what they're used to. Next up on the Tuesday matchups, which was far from a close game, Lazio versus Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich playing at at um, playing away while Lazio was playing at home. Uh, Bayern Munich, Tyler, take us into this game. I, I, I hate to say I told you so to anybody who, to everyone who listened uh, last week. This, this was a massacre, and it's it's a combination of Bayern capitalizing on mistakes and just flat out being that much better than, than Lazio. They, things did not start out well for Lazio. There was a horribly timed pass uh, back to the keeper that uh, the defender kicked really short. And who, who was there to pick it up? It was Lewandowski. And Lewandowski doesn't miss. He's no. going to cash in that goal 99.999% of the time. And this was, I think it was like 15 minutes into the game and it, it was just a massacre from there on out. They, they kind of looked better in the second half. That's where they got their goal, but they were down three, nothing uh, at halftime. It, you know, teams don't usually come back from that, even the good teams. And I mean, Lazio just looked disorganized and they were just outclassed and outmatched in this. The, the, this series was exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Uh, similar similar thoughts. I, I was actually hoping for a closer game. You know, Lazio is a scrappy team, but uh, it just showed the, the difference in class between the two teams. Poor Pepe Reina. Uh, he was bombarded with a flurry of shots on goal. Uh, I, I really felt it for Lazio this week um, as, as they would have had to climb the Everest of Champions League rivals, which the German Giants showed them no mercy. Um, scare, scoring nearly all of their goals in the first half. Uh, it was truly men against boys in its truest fashion. Now, I was thinking about how would you outcoach this team? I, I don't see a way. And it's, it's, a bare, it's a fairly simple formation that Byron has. It's a, it's a wide 4-2-3-1, playing with, uh, obviously, Lewandowski up at the top. You've got Sané on one side, Coleman on the other side. I don't know why I was thinking... Um, with a G because I'm thinking about uh, Nabry uh, playing on the right, but uh, uh, Sané played there this this week. Um, and Lazio had a 3-5-2 formation, which was a flat five um, in the midfield. This I see as a mistake. Honestly, Sané and Coleman are just too quick for that. And when they brought on Gnabry, it was it was a similar similar fashion playing down the wings. And then you know, if you play a little bit too defensive, you might be able to to hold out just a little bit, but um, you would still come away with the defeat. Now, with the three in the back, once your midfield is exposed and there are leaks within that midfield spot, your three in the back are not going to be able to hold off the full frontal attack of Bayern Munich, which Kimmich and uh, and Goethe are able to Goretzka sorry, are able to push that ball into the right places so that Coleman, Sané, and Lewandowski could capitalize on the fast breaks. It is a very, very difficult, not only formation, but coaching strategy in which 
any team would need to defeat them. And Lazio just did not get it right this week. I say good luck to him in the next rounds. I don't see a different result pending. Well, that, that's the scary thing about Bayern is you know what you're getting when you play them. They, they don't hide anything. No. And, and yet they beat everybody down because of the sheer talent on that team. That's what makes Bayern a incredibly difficult and scary team is you, you know, you plan for Lewandowski and as much as he loves to score goals, then that's when Kimmich or Nabry, when he's healthy, that's when they get goals. Mm-hmm. You know, then you see uh, Sané and Komen, they, they can score even, even their guys in the back, uh, mm-hmm. Alaba and uh, Alfonso Davies, they can both score. Everyone can score. I wouldn't be surprised if Neuer could score. <laughs> it's, it, it's scary what this team is. Yeah. Very difficult team to beat. Very difficult team to beat. Similar to another team that we move on to the Wednesday matchups. Another difficult team to beat. Uh, very well coached team. This matchup, Wednesday matchup, first of the matchups. I'm saying matchup a lot. We have Mönchengladbach versus Manchester City away from home. Come away with a two to nothing win against Mönchengladbach in their house. Tyler, tell us what happened. So I, I had this thought because I I, rem, I remember we talked a lot about Mönchengladbach when we when they played Real Madrid and they were up, you know, two nothing, and then the game ended two two when uh, Real scored two goals late. And Mönchengladbach's defense just kind of disappeared. And that happened here in two terribly unfortunate moments, which allowed for uh, uh, Bernardo Silva to score and uh, ultimately um, Gabriel Jesus uh, ended up scoring as well. And honestly, they were off uh, two wonderful plays from uh, João Cancelo, Greg, Greg said it. Man City is so well coached. Uh, if I remember correctly, I don't even think De Bruyne, who's healthy, played this game. He mm-hmm. he was on the bench, and they, they don't need him, and that's mm-hmm. terrifying. And Aguero's healthy. He actually saw game time toward the end of this game as well, but he he's a sub, and he's Man City's all-time leading scorer, mm-hmm. and he he can't even get on the pitch now. The, the crazy thing to me about this game also is Man City still kind of looked a little sleepy mm-hmm. at times, but they, they still, I don't want to say cruised, but they, I, I don't think Munch and Gladback really gave them a hard time in this game. Mm-hmm. That's it's, absolutely true. It, it, it's scary what Man City, like Bayern, really, really kind of looks like. Similar to, to Bayern, I would say Man City does have a 4-2-3-1 formation as well that they played in this game. Usually not their style, at least not the style that I'm used to seeing them play. Um, but in this game, they played the 4-2-3-1 and it worked to perfection. I think that this this might be the formation to look at. You have uh, you have Gondawan playing in the defensive mid position with uh, Rodri. With Silva in the middle, Sterling and Foden playing the wings, and Gabriel Jesus on top. This team, the Cancelo, first of all, Cancelo is playing um, the the left back position, and he takes a man of the match for me. 
beautiful deliveries. Delivery, he was delivering like Postmates, on target and on time. Amazing game for him. To me, honestly, Gladback did not play bad for the entirety of the game. Like what you said, Tyler, a couple holes in the defense, and it wasn't even it wasn't even super exploitable mistakes. I won't even say there were mistakes, honestly. Man City was just able to, just like uh, a good quarterback could fit a football into a small window, Man City was able to capitalize on some amazing aerial aerial play, um, which afforded them the, the win. Now, usually you would see, I saw Foden take a shot on target, which was pretty powerful and pretty... Pretty out of the blue, honestly. It was it was out of the thirty, um, and Sterling obviously having his wing play be able to get in there, um, obviously captaining this team. But I did see some amazing play from uh, Mönchengladbach as well. Player did not play badly at all. I think the only mistake for me is that as he was getting hot, he was subbed off the field. Um, I don't. I I honestly think that that was a mistake. Not saying that Marcus Thuram is not. Um, a fantastic player, but 63 minutes in and players is doing, Alessandro players doing the things that he's doing. I don't see you taking him off as he's starting to heat up. So an unfortunate day for uh, Gladback. They do have an opportunity to come back um, when they head to Man City in two weeks time to take on the neighbors in Man City. But next up, we have another close game. Uh, not as exciting as, as this one that we, we're talking about right now. But Atle- uh, Atlanta versus Real Madrid. The score ending up 0-1. Real Madrid scoring a late goal um, after much controversy um, within that game. Tyler, let's talk about it. Yes, I... Uh... I have to say this about Real Madrid and their fans can come at me if they want. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Real Madrid was not good in this game and they were, okay. We, we got to talk about the red card. We got to <laughs> talk about the red card. We, we've, we've talked at length about refing not only in the champions league on this show, but also just refing in general. And this was a terrible, terrible red card. Yellow, maybe. Maybe. Definitely a caution to the player. But that red was out of that referee's pocket so fast. Mm -hmm. All of the Atalanta players were beyond, like they were shocked. They were confused. Yeah. And to set it up, Froiler, the defender for Atalanta, uh, took down, uh, I think it was Mendy, actually. Um, yeah, it was. What happened to, on his way to the goal, there was a pass to, to Mendy. There's a little bit of field between him and the goalie. Definitely at least another defender. And the their feet got tangled. If you could even, tangled is putting it harshly. I, their, their feet touched. Mendy went <laughs> down red card came out. I don't understand this call. I don't think judging from his face right now, I don't think Greg understands this call. I think that this gifted 
Real Madrid the chance to move on, although they did not score until the 85th minute. This red card happened in the 17th minute. Yep. Real Madrid couldn't even put together a decent shot on goal. There's mm-hmm. only one shot from a uh, Luka Modric that came, came close to being a good shot, but even the goal scored, they were lucky because the keeper hesitated. Yep. That was the only reason the goal went in. The, it like brushed off his fingertips because he hesitated. Mm-hmm. Real Madrid, you should not have won this game. No. This was this was this close to leaving 0-0 like somebody almost predicted that it would <laughs> yeah, last true. week. True. I said that this game was going to end in a tie and even with 10 men, Atalanta almost did it, mm-hmm. which to be fair to a lot of the teams, they actually train to play a man down. So yep. they're actually stronger doing it. If you're wondering why you haven't seen a lot of goals against 10 men squads, they, they actually practice against this to, to, to be, to be better in these situations. So the team is actually stronger almost at this point now. Uh, anyway, I, I don't, I, th- this should have been a tie. This, this should have been going back uh, to, to Real tied up. Uh, not just because I'm upset that my prediction didn't happen. Uh, but it's, I, I thought that this was a terrible call. It set the game in a w- really weird place. And despite having a man up, Real did not w- deserve to win this game at all. True. Uh, I completely agree with you on this one. This this was probably the most boring game of the week <laughs> for me. Tactically, not that great. I, I don't know what's actually happening in... Real Madrid's camp, usually, I don't know what's going on with the Spanish teams in general. Uh, usually the Spanish teams have great tactical fortitude. Barcelona, Real Madrid, even Atletico Madrid are all letting down when it comes to what they are fully capable of. And the one thing that I could say, which I've said about the Barcelona team as well this season, they are consistent consistently bad or consistently mediocre i should say not bad they're not horrible but when it comes to the world stage they're not putting out their best foot and uh this this fell true with a lot of the real madrid games that i've seen for the season so far not enough attacking pressure and even when there is it is not to the point where you are excited to watch the gameplay uh there were a lot of uh there's a lot of shots that's being taken. 19 shots in total that Real Madrid took this game with only six on target. 69% possession over Atalanta, but none of it forward moving. The red card was honestly the defining factor for this game, and Real Madrid did not deserve to win this game. I'm not saying that because I'm a Barcelona fan, diehard Barcelona fan. I'm saying this because it's true. You should watch the game, not just the highlights. Watch the game and see what I'm talking about. There is nothing that Real Madrid has done in this game to actually deserve this. Uh, I would say congratulations to Mendy. It was a beautiful shot. But like Tyler said, if the goalkeeper did not hesitate on reaching out for this ball, this would have been a 0-0 draw. It's disappointing. To, especially when you think about, you know, what Real Madrid means to not just in Spanish football, but just in 
you know, around the world, they are one of the most well-known organizations and it's sure they had a lot of injuries, but that, that for a team of that caliber, that should not matter as much as it appeared to matter. And uh, they, they showed a shot of uh, Zidane uh, at the end of the game. And I think the look on his face, he even knew that he was lucky to win that game. Like mm-hmm. he, he looked relieved that his team somehow managed to pull that one out. Mm-hmm. It's the, the, I, I, I think there's something going on over there that we don't know about. Absolutely. And, and to speak of, of missing players, they're going to be missing one extra with uh, Casemiro who picked up the yellow card was going to be suspended for the next game. So um, it's going to be an interesting game coming up, but sorry, Tyler, you're going to talk. I was at, at Atalanta might, might come back with a vengeance and beat them in, in Madrid. It, it's something that, that happened already in, the, in this competition, uh, Madrid losing at home. It's, mm. it's not out of the, it's not out of the question. It's not. Uh, they're going to be missing Zapata, obviously. Um, he had a, a contractor injury early, had to be subbed off uh, within that game. And uh, obviously the red card, they will be missing. Missing Froiler for the next game. Um, but that's in two weeks' time. They have opportunities to get themselves together. But, Tyler, we have to talk about what's happening next week. Tuesday and Wednesday, we have games back-to-back. Tuesday, first game. Borussia Dortmund versus Sevilla going up in two weeks' time on March 9th. <laughs> going to be heading out to um, that Tuesday game, Borussia Dortmund versus Sevilla. The first leg resulted in a 3-2. to two. Borussia Dortmund obviously having the advantage, but they're going to be at home. Sevilla looks hungry. Tyler, what do you think will happen in this game? I think this one's going to be exciting. I'm interested to see what happens. I, I don't count uh, either of these teams out, especially after what uh, Dortmund did. And uh, actually, I don't think this one was in, was they, they played in a neutral location in this last one, I believe. This was one of the neutral location games. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens, you know, when one of these teams actually gets to play uh, in their home, in their home uh, stadium. Uh, always excited to see Holland play. It's uh, it's going to be interesting, and I, I've been following a lot of the news on on Holland as well. There's a bunch of teams in the mix uh, for him. At, uh, for whatever reason, Dortmund seems willing to let him go and let these rumors run uh, for whatever that means. But I don't think it's going to really affect how Holland plays. Holland's going to Ho- Holland is going to Holland, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. I I, uh, I think that uh, Dortmund does end up taking this. Uh, I, I think it might be 3-2 again. Mm-hmm. Well, interestingly enough, uh, Borussia Dortmund, the two games that they have before, they have the DFB um, Pokal um, quarterfinals against Mönchengladbach away from home, um, followed by a Saturday match, which would be Bayern Munich versus uh, Borussia Dortmund away from home as well. Um, to step into this UEFA game on the Tuesday. They have a couple tough matches um, to head into this game. We'll see how that plays out, um, whether they are overconfident into going into this game and, and leave some players off. But I do think the Viking is going to do what the Viking does best. Thor has the hammer and he's going to put it down. Next up, we have Juventus versus 
Porto. Porto having the advantage going into this one away from home. Juventus have the opportunity to take this back, but Porto, uh, well, Porto does not. Porto will have the opportunity to have an away goal advantage. Tyler, where do you think this game is going to go? Uh, I think Porto has a lot of momentum right now, uh, and winning uh, at home definitely uh, fueled that, uh, regardless of how terribly uh, Juventus played. they, they have a lot to work out. Uh, it, they, they, they also have a lot to play for. I, I think that they will play better. But uh, I, I think Porto takes this one down. That's interesting. That's it. So, so what Tyler is trying to say is that Juventus is not coming out of this round of 16. Yes. I, I am saying that Juventus and Ronaldo do not make it out. I, I think that they... They're staying Maybe. home. Yeah, they, 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 they will be watching the rest of the competition from the couch. Ah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a harsh prediction for Juventus fans right there. They should have um, played better in the first game. They should have. And they, they have Lazio to play the game before um, on the Saturday, um, which will be tough for them. I, I mean, don't count Lazio out just because of what we've seen. that They had to go against the, the German Giants. That's a tough. That's a tough position to play in. Now Juventus is third in there in the Serie A with forty-five points, uh, just eight points under the leaders. Which would it's just Inter Milan. Believe it or not, anyone who follows uh, football and don't see AC, well AC is in second position, but to see uh, AC Milan under Inter Milan, that's uh, a shocker. But anyway, uh, Juventus. I, I say I say that they don't pull it out either. They have not been playing the kind of, of football that we know they can play. Um, Porto's, Porto did a really great job holding them off last time. They do have the advantage. Plus, um, they just need a goal to get it away. They just need one goal to get it away and hold off the rest. They would have the, the, the away goal advantage, and it's, it's going to be theirs in the bag. Moving on to March 10th, Wednesday's matches. <clears throat> we have Liverpool FC versus RB Leipzig. It's Red Bull Leipzig. The first leg, Liverpool took it away from home, two to nothing. Tyler, what are your thoughts on the next matchup here? I think that this is an interesting one only because Liverpool is not the same team at home mm-hmm. they have lost the majority of their recent games at home including losing two nothing to everton on the 20th uh, last weekend uh the first time that everton had beaten them in anfield since like 1999 i think it was mm-hmm. so something crazy like that liverpool just doesn't play well at home and they they have a lot of searching to do on that team because as as well as they seem to show up in the champions league they're not showing up in the premier league and they actually look like two completely different teams and uh injuries aside you know they they already have two goals uh away goals uh against leipzig that that's a hard deficit to to come out of for anyone i i think liverpool takes the two to one Two to one in this game. In this game, so it ends up four to one on the, right. the aggregate. 
I, I'm right there with you. I do see, um, you know, and, and honestly, it all depends on where the priorities lie for the club. They're in sixth position in their domestic table and have they, they you know, they have the opportunity to move up, obviously, but it, it just honestly depends on what Klopp decides is going to be the priority. Do they want to go away with a Champions League opportunity? Like how how viable is that knowing that you have teams like PSG, uh, Man City, and Bayern Munich still in the competition that are honestly at this point in the competition way more superior than you are as a team in terms of strategy and skill. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be something that I you know, that's gonna be the deciding factor. I don't think that any team goes into a tie with the intention to lose. However, if the the strategy is you know they're going into they're going into match day twenty six um, this upcoming weekend, you know, with twelve more games to play for the year. How do you how do you work that around to see how to to kind of move yourself into a position where you could still be viable for next year? And if they lose in the Champions League, um, if they get knocked out within the group stages at the position that there are in the table right now, Liverpool would not be playing in the Champions League next year. They will actually be playing um, maybe in Europa. So a lot for them to think about going into this next matchup. Um, but if all things go well and they stay optimistic and the injuries are down, there's a lot of ifs in that guys, a lot of ifs Liverpool would be moving on to the next stage of the champions league. Well, it's like you said, they've, they've got to decide and they're, they are in sixth in uh, the premier league, as you said, but they're three points away from fifth and five away from fourth fourth would get them back into the champions league should they have an exit in this round or the next or the next like who who knows but if they do not win the champions league they still have a chance within the premier league to be back so i i think that they need to decide they they will decide that depending on how far they make it in the champions league how hard they want to continue to try in the premier league they're not they're not catching man city they are no. 19 points behind Man City at this point. It would take a collapse of epic proportions for Man City to lose the Premier League. Yeah. Clearly ahead, obviously, like you said, it's down to decisions. And last but not least, on this Wednesday matchup, we have Paris Saint-Germain versus Barcelona with Paris winning away from home 4 to one against Barcelona, going back to Paris versus Barcelona. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this matchup? I'll, I'll, I'll keep this short. It doesn't look good for your boys. That's, that's as short as you're going to take it. No analysis? Let's, see, let's get some analysis, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was trying to keep it, keep it short and sweet, but, uh, I mean, PSG showed that they know how to beat Barcelona in this last game. I, I think that they are on a wave of momentum uh, going into this. And they, I mean, not that they're going to play this way at home, but I mean, they could give up two goals and still be fine. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a, uh, 
a game I think that they're going to I do think that they're going to try, but I don't think that they're going to put the same kind of maximum effort that we saw in the last game to try to conserve uh, going through uh, to the next round. I think that they're uh, to, to steal uh, uh, parlance from the NFL. I think they're going to play prevent defense. Which makes sense. Uh, that's how you preserve your players. I, I think the Paris still has a lot uh, to play for in their own domestic league. However, to all the non-believers out there, there's still a chance. There's still a way in which they are able to do this. Need I remind everyone that my team was able to come back from a 4-0 defeat back in 2017, the 2017 season, Um uh, 2016 to 2017 season playing against Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain uh, beat Barcelona four to nothing in the first leg where my boys were able to come back and win the game six to one. This is not an impossible. What, what anything that I've learned from the champions league is that nothing is impossible. However, my boys have been consistently bad this season consistently mediocre this season losing in the way that they did to but honestly this should have been a four nothing victory for Paris Saint-Germain again or more or more more. that there was (laughs) there were a lot of opportunities for PSG to come away with more than just four goals it just felt like they they eased up um on while the game was going on but if there's anything that I know about about Barcelona especially in the position that they're in. Now, my Barcelona team back in 2017 were having a winning season. This year, they're in third position, which is not uncommon for, you know, the three main teams in Spain, which is Atletico, Barcelona, and Real Madrid. Usually we we used to have a joke saying that, you know, everyone else was just playing for third place because Barcelona and Real Madrid were your ones and two. They were always one and two. This year, however, it's easy to see that Barcelona could have been uh, down on the table. Back in the 2016-2017 season, they were second in their league, losing only to Real Madrid and just above Atletico. Well, not just above, a good 18 points ahead of, 12 points ahead of Atletico Madrid. Um, And that they came away with, with two trophies that year. So... This year, I don't know if we're seeing any trophies, but I will say for those Barcelona fans out there with me, keep your heads up. It is not over till it's over. We'll see what happens next. I mean, you're right. That that is why they play the games. You know, you can't really count Messi out. He's he's that good, and even as, as he gets older, he is still that good. Uh, anything can happen and that man will will it to happen. But I just, like, like you said, I haven't seen any evidence that this is one of those magical kind of teams. Mm-hmm. This still, this still looks like the team that got their clock cleaned eight to two by Bayern last year. Yeah. And retreated with their tails between their legs and it's still there. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lack of confidence in the club, and that's that's not uh, you know, that's not a knock on on the club. It's just it's just true. It, they're they're not they're not playing the the kind of game that we're that we're used to Barcelona playing, and they don't show any dominance right now. 
uh, PSG came away, uh, you know, almost unscathed against that Bayern Munich team last year, um, only losing to them uh, by one goal. So if if PSG and this this is an even stronger PSG that we're seeing this season, if that team, you know, the the nineteen to twenty season PSG could stand toe to toe with the German giants and we lost eight to two in the second leg against the German giants. What's the, what's the scenario? What are we actually looking at uh, for Barcelona? This, this go around, I, I say not much, not much at all. And we, we unfortunately thought that when we saw the draw come in that they were playing against PSG, it was like, well, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that, that was fun while it lasted. Yeah, we'll and see him next we, year. <laughs> we 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 were hoping that Barcelona would prove us wrong, and they haven't yet, which is why we have no confidence going into this this second uh, leg. Mm-hmm. So, guys, that has been our show. I hope you enjoyed it. A lot of football to be had um, next week, obviously, with the break. Uh, I was so excited. I thought that the, the, the next rounds of games will happen in next week, but that's not true. We have a one-week break before we get into our next round of games. Tyler, as always, it's a pleasure, sir. I think we're under time this one. This, this time <laughs> we're, we're, pretty, uh, we're pretty efficient. We're efficient like, uh, like Bayern Munich in their games these days. But unlike them... You don't know what you're getting each episode. <laughs> That's, that is so true. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. Have a fantastic day and night whenever you listen to the podcast. I will blow my whistle. That has been your episode number 13 of Stop it.